Hello and welcome to Be The Wolf. I am your host, Jenea Barnes. Many people struggle to be the fullest, biggest, truest versions of themselves. They bend to fit into other people's ideals of who and what they should be. They tame their brilliance to avoid judgment and gain approval. A long time ago, people attempted to tame the wilderness of Yellowstone National Park by eradicating predators. Taming the wilderness collapsed the ecosystem. But there's hope. In the mid-90s, 41 wolves were introduced into the park and with this, the ecosystem replenished itself and flourished. The wolves did nothing but be exactly who they are meant to be and do what they were born to do. So I say to you, be the wolf. Hello, hello everybody and welcome to this episode of Be the Wolf. We're talking about nature versus nurture today, that age-old argument. I'm here with Carrie Sanford. She is the Medicare maven. She's hitting into her high season right now. Medicare enrollment just opened up. And she's got a beautiful, wonderful story. And we're going to explore those ideas of being who you were born to be and whether that comes from your nature or your nurture. Uh, Carrie, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and we'll jump into the conversation. <laughs> well, thank you. Good morning. So happy to be here. Um, my name is Carrie Sanford. I am the Medicare Maven and I am a Medicare senior market specialist. Uh, as an insurance broker, we help people identify, educate, and enroll into their Medicare health plans along with um, individual life insurance as well. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so now you grew up, you were adopted, right? Yes, I was adopted when I was six six weeks old. Just a baby. Just a baby. And <laughs> when you were growing up, it, it's so curious. I know a handful of people and some of my clients are adopted. And, you know, there's always that argument about do you tell them when they're young or do you wait? So how, how old were you when you knew that you were adopted? That is an interesting story. So apparently my family shared that over and over with me when I was little, but I really couldn't comprehend what that meant. And so my older sister, who was adopted, um, we were playing and got into a little tiff and she said, well, you're adopted. <laughs> so then I went to my parents and asked, what does adopted mean? And then they explained it again. So I was probably around eight or nine at that time, I think. Yeah, so that's how it came, the, the dots kind of connected um, at that age when they shared with me what adopted really meant. But for me, you know, I didn't know anything different. So my family is my family. One of my friends, her family was, framed it as we chose you. And, um, you know, which is a beautiful way. And it's always, I think that's a really tough thing for parents is to figure out when do you tell the kids? When do you actually help them at, fully understand? So it makes sense that you 
finally got it, even though they kind of shared it with you earlier around the age of eight, because that is the age, seven, eight is when the rational mind starts to work for a child and things start to make sense. It's also when most kids stop believing in Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Right? Okay. Yeah, because before that, everything is magical. It makes perfect sense that Santa could come to every single house <laughs> in everywhere <one> <laughs> in the entire world in one night, eat all the cookies. <laughs> right. right. Interesting. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know that was the age. Yeah. Yeah. So about seven and eight is when kids start to go, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. So Okay, and you, as you grew up, you told me that you didn't necessarily feel like you always belonged. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, um, growing up, and I would say uh, more so when I became uh, like preteen going forward, um, didn't, you know, I didn't look like people necessarily in my household. I didn't. Um, personality traits were different. And so in some situations, it was kind of like trying to fit a round object into a square object, right? And so um, I didn't feel, yeah, like I necessarily fit in. Um, and um, so it was kind of interesting, you know, how to, I just adapted in different ways, right? And as an adult, I can look back and see a little bit of where my, um, people pleasing comes from. That was a way I think I adapted to fit in. Um, but um, yeah, that was um, uh, definitely how I felt in, in certain situations like family reunions, even though my family is my family, when we'd have reunions every other year and hearing the, the, the rich family history and I would always be looking around the room and say, are they looking at me? Because you know, it's not, it's not my history. That's how I felt. So. Mm. Mm. so what were some, I'm curious, what were some of the personality traits that you saw in your, in your family versus you had within yourself? What were some of the things that just didn't quite fit? So I have been since day one, as far back as I can remember, a risk taker uh, in my personal life in business. Um, you mentioned earlier uh, when we were talking off, off, offline about maybe, um, maybe it was generational too, as far as when I would have a position at an employer, I was always looking for um, the next, the next promotion after promotion, after promotion, and looking for new opportunities that either that gave me, you know, more leadership or more uh, increase in my pay, um, learning something new. I was always doing that. And um, my mother, it was it was scary for her. She's like, why, you know, don't lose that good job. Don't, you know, don't, don't do that. Why are you, why are you trying to do XYZ? Why aren't you happy type thing? And don't, don't lose that good job and those benefits. Um, it was always coming from a place of fear. And I was always trying to grow um, in all aspects of my life. So were your siblings, did they have that growth mindset? Uh, I had an older sister that we were raised, I was raised with, and we both were adopted. And 
in retrospect, um, she stayed within the mold, <laughs> stayed within the box, and uh, went to college. You know, became a nurse, and did you know stayed on that track. And I was kind of in financial services, but always kind of trying to move forward. Yeah, it's interesting it, with the people that I work with. So many of them, because they have, the, they wouldn't end up with me if they didn't have a growth mindset <laughs> and looking to actually become who they are and step into careers that really align with who they are. And there is this common thread of I wanted more, I wanted to do more, be more than my parents or my mom. And so much of it is the mom. The mom is often so scared. And I think about what is handed down generation to generation. And, you know, we think about people that grew up in the Great Depression and beyond. And before that, it was always so much that as women, we needed to marry so that we would be provided for and safe. And because there wasn't really much work out there for women, you could be a secretary or a nurse or a teacher it was pretty much the gamut of what you could do. And to risk that safety I think is very scary for a lot of women, particularly our parents' age. And to see our kids take those risks is incredibly scary because I think there's two sides of it. I think for a lot of the parents it, or the, a lot of the moms, it's like that, oh, I really wanted to do that, but it was, I had to play it safe. So there's some, in some families that creates a resentment, sort of resentment between mother and daughter. And in other families, it's just, you're too terrified because they chose to live from fear and you choose to live from expansion, keep stepping into that expansive place which I love. Yeah, I can totally recognize that. I can recognize that as an adult in my mother. She, she was coming from a place of fear and, um, and resentment in certain areas, yeah. Mm. What was one of the first like big leaps, one of the big risks that you took towards being who you really are deep inside? Gosh, the biggest risk? Oh my goodness! Well, I left or home just as a, one of them. <laughs> oh gosh, let's see the big one. One. Uh, well, I would say leaving my corporate position. Um, I'd been with a with a bank for um, almost fourteen years. I think almost fourteen or fifteen years, and I was in a, a high management um, capacity. You know, making six figures, and um, left it for entrepreneurship. Yeah. So that would be the biggest. I think the biggest. Uh, leap that I made <laughs> as far as risk and um, didn't look back. And I'm so thankful and grateful that I did. In hindsight, I'm like, I wish I had done it sooner, but everything happens as it should. But um, leaving, leaving a corporate position to start my own business. And that is a huge risk. <laughs> and I'm curious, how did your, your family that you grew up with feel about that? 
Oh gosh. Um, it's funny that you ask. So I didn't tell them for six months. <laughs> so I waited until I had track, you know, traction and success. <laughs> and then I was like, Oh, by the way, <laughs> I left my position with the bank and this is what I'm doing now, uh, to, to help people with insurance. <laughs> they were like, have you lost my mom? Have you lost your mind? But no, I, but I can show you, you know, this is how many hours I was putting in to, to working for someone else. And here I have flexibility and control of my own day and time. And I know that I really am helping people and, you know, I'm, I'm can make the same amount of money if not more. So yeah, it took me a long time to get the, to get the courage to share that with, with them. <laughs> I totally get that. I, like, I totally get that. I mean, I shared my journey with my family of, on, um, along the way, but I'll tell you when the money is low and it's like, I don't want to talk to my grandma. <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> the first thing out of her mouth every single time I talk to her. So you're paying your rent, you're, you're paying your bills, everything right. is great. I'm like, I want to tell her when that doesn't happen because as an entrepreneur, sometimes there's a little, oh, yeah. especially in the there's beginning. Dips, dips in the valley. <laughs> And we yes. learn from them. You have to because it's all on you when you're an entrepreneur. Yes. So it isn't that place of safety and security that so many families want, want us to lean into. <laughs> and so you eventually, and not too long ago, found your birth family. And that answered some questions for you. Would you want to share a little bit about that? Well, yeah, and the journey continues. So um, during the pandemic, I finally did the um, Ancestry.com kit. And um, it took forever for it to come back because of the pandemic. But I was working with a friend of the family who was into genealogy, and he helped me find my birth mother without Ancestry.com. And that story is a whole nother episode of your podcast, because that, that term, that phrase, six degrees of separation, my biological mother and I were separated by six different people in my, in my, in my journey. So um, it's very interesting. Yeah, but I was able to meet her and um, we visited and, you know, in person and we, are, we have developed and continue to develop a relationship. But um, coming together, though, to finally look at someone and see myself physically in them was um, amazing and overwhelming. Yes. And then just, and then just recently, the last probably two months, um, I found my biological father as well. So I've got siblings, I've got a, a huge family of aunts and cousins and where I didn't, um, come from a large family. Um, my biological family is, is immense. And so I look forward to meeting everyone and developing relationships from there. It's interesting because I didn't know my father. My father took off when I was a couple months old and I looked for him when, uh, around 1999, I did us search and I couldn't find him. And then I think it was the next year or it was 2001. I did it again on a, on a whim and I found him. And when I finally met him, he and I, my mom and I don't look very much alike, but he and I look exactly alike. And I've, 
And if you shave the beard, which he has had since he was 19 years old, but I have one photo of him before that. And it's like, oh. it's freaky. It's freaky how exactly the same we look. Um, but I noticed some, there were some just weird little things that I did and he did that were not typical of everybody else. Like the way I would put my hands in my back pocket, especially as a woman, like women don't stand around with their hands in their back pocket. It's not a, a normal stance. And I don't think it's a normal stance for men either. <laughs> but he and I both put our hands in our back pocket in the same manner. We used to both drink coffee through a straw, like little stupid things. So, and I don't know exactly what that is as far mm -hmm. as, but you started to notice things that made sense with your biological family about your personality, about things you wanted to do in your career. Can you share some of that with me? No, absolutely. Um, when I met my, um, my mom, Karen, I uh, found out that she was an entrepreneur. My grandmother, her mother was an entrepreneur. Great-grandmother was an entrepreneur. My mother was in financial services. She worked for a bank like myself. My grandmother had an, was an insurance broker back in the day. So same type of careers. Um, my mother was um, smart in school. I was, you know, a, a, learning came easy for me. Um, and then just uh, as far as laugh, we laughed the same. <laughs> So that was very interesting when we met in person. It was like, oh my gosh, I'm looking at myself and she's laughing, I'm laughing and we're doing it the same way. Um, and um, so that was very interesting because that was, you know, we weren't around each other. So that wasn't a learned trait. So, you know, nature versus nurture. Um, that was very interesting. Um, meeting one of my cousins, um, he shared with me just the history of, of different parts of the family that we come from uh, strong people and we are overcomers and that's my entire life. I, you know, giving up, you know, not that I don't feel sad or get down, but it's like, okay, have the cry, let's move forward. What are we gonna do to, to move forward and, and make this better? So I come from, I stand on strong shoulders of women and men who um, had no option but to overcome and keep on um, moving forward and persevering. So, and that's, that's my, my theme song. Yeah, it's, I mean, I love the conversation about nature versus nurture because so much of it does come from, in my opinion, comes from what you grow up around, what you see. When you are pre the age, pre-rational, pre, you know, seven years old, you are like a little sponge. You're like a little raw database. You're like, you soak up everything and it's all there. It's all in your unconscious mind. And it is what basically is sort of your bone structure almost of how you operate in the world. But then we think about you also, as a fetus, as a baby, when you're in the womb, you feel every emotion that your mother feels because 
I mean, scientifically, when you have an emotion, it releases a chemical set of, of brain chemicals that flood every single cell in your body. Your mind and your body, they've proven it with science, are 100% connected. So every thought you have affects every cell in your body. So this is why people talk so much about trying to have a positive mindset and why it's so important to like feed yourself positive information and not watch the news 24 seven. You can watch the news, but don't do it 24 seven because you're just feeding yourself negative information. And every time you think about those things, it floods and affects every cell in your body. So in the womb, you, experienced everything that your mother experienced. And as a woman, your mother's eggs were in her fetal self when she was inside your grandmother. So half of your DNA, basically, the egg portion also felt and was affected by everything your grandmother felt and saw and experienced and thought. So it makes perfect sense to me that although you had your biological family and you soaked up all of that information, but even before that, you soaked up two generations of feelings, thoughts, and experiences. Wow. When you say it like that, that's, that's amazing. Right. Yeah. So that, that is what causes me to believe my assumption. My opinion is based on a little bit of science, but it's so fascinating for me when I meet people who were adopted because I start to see that sort of similar thing where there is this piece of their biological family and also the piece of their adopted family. So bringing the two together, which gives you very a very unique experience and being able to create and be who you are. Um, what are some of the gifts that, um, and you might not have, because you haven't known your biological family for too long, so you might not have been able to put this together quite yet, but what are some of the gifts that you received from your family that raised you that maybe some of your other biological family members did not get? Oh, that's good. Um... I would say my biological family who raised me, a, a gift is they encouraged me to, when I would come to them saying, I want to do X, Y, Z. So I was that child that was overscheduled. <laughs> you know, I learned how to play the piano, the guitar, the flute, the clarinet. I was always trying new things, right? So um, they allowed me to do that. So even though maybe my, my mother was scared and it made her feel uncomfortable, they encouraged me and uh, made it possible for me to be exposed to so many different things. Um, and from learning and meeting my biological mother, I haven't met my father yet. Um, we've spoke on the phone and text, but we haven't met in person. Um, but for my mother, I know that that wasn't the case for her necessarily. 
So, um, so I definitely appreciate, um, I was given the opportunity to be exposed to so many different things to, to, so I can find out what I liked and where I excelled and to hopefully make me a, you know, a round person. <laughs> right. And so what I see in that, that's really cool is that your mom who raised you, mm -hmm. she stepped through her own fear for the benefit of you, which is really mm. cool. And because of that different viewpoint, it probably allows you to, knowing what I know and the stuff that I break down in people is the stuff that keeps their their vision sort of narrow. So it sounds like one of the gifts that you really received was a wider expansive view of the world, which would allow, which will allow you to be more successful ultimately, because you had that, um, your biological family's view ingrained in you, you know, during the womb process and the birthing process. And then you had another viewpoint that was also ingrained in you, which allows you to understand and see the world in a wider perspective, which always allows for more freedom and success <laughs> in my experience. I can, I can see that. Yeah. And I've, I've always been, I'm thankful and grateful, you know, everything happens for a reason. Um, and, uh, definitely, um, thankful and grateful. So what led you, you took the entrepreneurial leap. What led you to really want to make that leap? Because this is where we really get to be like, okay, I've been working for somebody else and now I really want to do what's true and right for me. So what led you to take that step into really being the wolf? Well, I love to help people. I was raised in an environment where, you know, we, we volunteer um, when a friend or someone needs help, you know, we help them. And so I loved what I did growing, you know, in, in the corporate world. But it got to a point where I wasn't having fun and I wasn't feeling that I was really able to help people how I wanted to help them because of the corporate structure. And at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, the ROI and money <laughs> and maybe not, not what's right for the client. And so and I was tired, you know, I working long hours and I was a single mother at the time. And so um, I was introduced to a different type of insurance. I thought, oh gosh, this, this is important. People need to hear, you know, hear about this. And I saw how I can help people again and saw the, the reaction from my client when I helped them. And that, that's important to really see that I'm making an impact. So that's really what made, um, helped me make the change. I was at a, at a crossroads, I think, where I just, I wasn't happy. And um, so an opportunity came across my path and I jumped on it. Awesome. So one of the things we think about happiness, people always say, I, w I just want to be happy. And there's there's levels of happiness. You can have experiences. You can go to a concert, a great restaurant, and you feel that sense of happiness. But those things are short-lived. They do not create long-term happiness. And often we do those things because we just want to get out of the suckiness of our life. <laughs> 
But one of the things that creates a longer effect of happiness is feeling like your life has meaning. And I think for a lot of women, the meaning in their life happens through children. And then when their children leave home, they get depressed. They get what's called empty nest syndrome. It's because the purpose is no longer there. That meaning of why they get up every day and do all the things that they do is no longer there. So it sounds like to me, what I'm hearing is that in the corporate world, for you, sure, you were making money and all of that, but there was not, you weren't happy. And it sounds like part of that is because there was no real meaning behind what you were doing. Agreed. I felt like the company was tying my hands behind my back to really help my clients um, in the right way. And so um, I started even having physical um, symptoms and my health was not well. And I was like, this is not good. And um, so I didn't feel I was making an impact. And uh, so, um, yeah, I made that leap and I'm so thankful that I did. Um, like I said before, I wish I had done done that sooner, but it's in you know God's timing. Um, but I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people that are in that situation and um, feeling stuck, but not sure what to do. Um, you know, fearful of of making changes. We're um, not just not even knowing what direction. But um, I found uh, found a way to be able to. Um, really help people and feel good about it. And that's where my happiness comes from. Yeah, exactly. It's like that purpose, that reason for moving forward. And, and the thing is, is when you have a purpose, like helping people, um, and for you, it's navigating some of the craziness of Medicare and insurance and all of those things, which are, <laughs> I know I just got my thing for my, my medical insurance. And I'm like, I don't even want to look at it because I don't want to have to read and try and figure out which is the best plan because right. it's just like, ugh. it's boring. Like, right. And most people don't look at it. They, they just roll it over. Yeah. That's exactly what I did. That's exactly what I did. And I know I probably need to sit. I just, yeah. I have so much on my plate as an entrepreneur to, actually do that. And so somebody like you to help people navigate through that is seriously a godsend. <laughs> no, I love it. And and my clients, you know, they tell me, thank you. You know, I appreciate you. And so that, that makes me feel good that I know that I'm, I'm making an impact. Yeah. I mean, and it is, even if it's just for somebody trying to figure out what would you say, trying to navigate that system on your own, being, if you're real smart, Mm -hmm. and, you know, could stomach reading all the boring stuff. Right. <laughs> how, how long, how many hours to make a wise, educated, best for you decision would it take the average really smart person that could stomach reading all the boring stuff without oh. any help? Would you guess? Oh, gosh. Oh, many hours, unfortunately. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter if you... I mean, many hours, I mean, you know, eight hours 
eight, eight hours plus some perhaps, depending on how quickly you read <laughs> and how familiar you are with a computer. If you're doing it online, that adds a whole nother technology, a whole nother layer of potential um, barriers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and but, a um, lot I, of people. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say a lot of people who are older have trouble navigating the computers and the technology and all of that. So and I know that can just stack like 10, 12, 20 more hours on top of I have clients that struggle with like the technology and it's just like <sighs> so. And, and the reason why I wanted to put sort of a quantifiable number to that, because if you think about it and having to do that probably every year because everything changes, right? Yes. So you think about spending eight or more, and that's, you know, like I said, we were trying to pick out a number of somebody that can read through the boring stuff. So if you can't even handle reading through the boring stuff, you're probably going to double that number. So 16 hours of your life, six to eight, 10 to 20 hours of your life, basically, how much is that worth to you every year? How much is that worth to you? When you think about that's half a week's wages, how much is that worth to you to have somebody to help you navigate that and know and feel confident in the end that you have made the right choice for you. And being the wolf is all about making the right choice for you. So that's an incredible, powerful gift. You are giving people back time that they could be spending with their family. They could be going to concerts and getting those wonderful short-term happiness, fun meals and all of that. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about the hour, how many hours that is, but you're right, yeah. No, I, I, um, I find joy in it, so. So, okay, a little bit more about this nature versus nurture thing. And, you know, as you're getting to know your biological family, you of course know the family you were raised with. What are some of the, besides the entrepreneurship, what are some of the other things that were markedly different between the two that you collected maybe a little bit of both? So as far as my mother's side, um, I just, I've, I've noticed just the difference in perhaps what we were exposed to and perhaps, you know, the environment that we were raised in. Um, it's very interesting. We, even with my biological father, we were in similar areas, you know, cities. We went to the same schools, mm. which is very odd. <laughs> and um, uh, I'm sure probably in some time we may have, our paths may have crossed and just weren't aware of it. Um, but as, as of right now, I can say just maybe how we were, the environment that we were raised in and what we were exposed to definitely is, we're, we're different, it appears to be. Mm. Um, yeah, so. Okay, so again, let, let's, I'm, I'm bouncing a little back and forth here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah. going back into knowing what you were meant to do, when you took that leap, was there a pivotal point that you were like, okay, 
this is it. I mean, you talked about the health. I mean, that's a big thing. When we are denying what is right for us, our health starts to suffer. There's That's mm. one of the consistent things I see over and over with my clients is the wake up call to actually start taking care of and doing what's right for you is a health crisis. Um, was that your pivotal point or was there something else that sort of pushed you over the edge to making that leap? It was a little, a little bit of both. So what transpired, I was in a car accident. I was hit by a semi truck. <laughs> And thank the Lord, I wasn't severely injured. I was injured and I was off work recovering. And the thought of returning back to work, I just said, I can't do it. Mm. And so that was, that was my pivotal moment. I'm like, I can't go back to, you know, 60 hours a week. <laughs> um, this was back many moons ago with the refinance boom. And uh, just so many things that were going on at that time. And um, I just, I can't do that. And so that's when I made my transition to entrepreneurship. Yeah, it's very interesting that, you know, I live in New York, so there's always sirens in the background. But as you were talking about the accident, there's like sirens in the background. I'm like, that's appropriate. <laughs> that's the most appropriate timing for sirens in, in my podcast world. That's awesome. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting, too, because when you're down with an accident and you've had that time to rest, and it's no longer like, you know, you're down, so you can't do anything else. And you start to really feel like, oh, mm. what is that? That the idea, it sounds like the idea of going back to work felt like very contracting, like it would squeeze the life out of you or something. That's the best way to describe it. Yes, I, I, I thought the thought of walking back in through those doors <laughs> was like going to suffocate me. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think that so many people during this COVID time with, we've got this great resignation and all of that was that same thing. It was like, we strip away all the extra, the stuff that makes us go, 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 go. Everybody's at home. They have to stay quiet. They get downtime because you can't run around and go to all the bars and the restaurants and all the events. So it was sort of that rest. And then it started to become like, oh, going back to the way it was feels super contracting. And like everything in me is saying no, no, no. And um, when you're living a life that feels very contractive in that way, like everything is squeezing you, it takes a toll on your mental health. It takes a toll on your physical health. And of course, things, you know, you get to that point gradually much like if your brakes, you know, wear out over time on your car, you don't notice that your brakes are super mushy because you drive your car every day. But your friend gets in the car and they're like, oh, gosh, don't these brakes work? <laughs> and and that's what happens. We like contract a little bit, but it's like, yeah, not so bad. And it takes before it gets really bad before we'll even notice. But because it happens little by little you just don't notice it and people get to that point of really overwhelm overwork 
and those points where they start to blow up and then the things like it just you can't hold it anymore i'm glad that you took the leap i'm glad that you are living the best life for you and i'm super excited that you help people navigate these crazy systems with medicare and insurance so tell us carrie all the things that you have to offer for people how they can get in touch with you what you tell us all the things give us the goods oh well thank you um i help people um transition to medicare medicare is typically in health insurance for people that are 65 and older oftentimes are people under 65 but i love to talk to people when they're like 63 ish so i do a lot of medicare 101 uh seminars virtually in person so anything regarding Medicare, feel free to give me a, a call. I'd love to um, answer your questions. And uh, we are able to help people enroll in their Medicare supplement plans, Medicare Advantage plans, their prescription drug plans. And then one that's very personal and important to me is life insurance. So we help people, um, you know, enroll in a life insurance plan for various reasons, final expenses, um, to use as an asset for business purposes or to leave a legacy, uh, but to mitigate risks. So um, those are all things that we're able to help you with at Lawlet Insurance Solutions. And the best way to get a hold of me is through my phone number. I probably could do 916-330-4001 or um, on Instagram. It's live well with Carrie. Okay, so some a little clarification for those of you that are listening. If this sounds interesting to you, stop right now and open up your browser. So the website is, La I can't even say it. Say it one more time for me. That's all right, Lawlin. So it's L-A-W-L-E-N-I-N-S.com. Lawlin, L-A-W-L-E-N-I-N-S.com is our, is our website. And um, that came from, um, I rebranded my agency um, and I named it after my parents who are Lawrence and Lena. So that is a combination of their name. <laughs> and a little fun fact, part of the reason you got into this was helping navigate them through yes. transitions and periods in their life as well. So yes. I love that you've brought that all together. And the phone number they can reach you at if they want to call is 916-330-4001. All right. And for those of you that are looking to make a leap into something more fulfilling, something that gives you meaning, in life too so you can have that long lasting happiness <laughs> um there's a couple of ways you can connect with me you can connect with me on my website there's a free gift on there that's five secrets to switch to a great career and that's at janeabarnes.com so if you're interested open up your browser type it in now it's g e n e a B-A-R-N-E-S.com, JaneaBarnes.com. And if you're ready, if you're ready to take the leap and you want to have a conversation about what it will take for you to transition into an empowering career that you love, you can go to bookacallwithjanea.com and that's G-E-N-E-A again. 
So thank you, Carrie. Thank you so much for sharing your story, your insight and your spirit with us today. I'm so grateful that you're here. Um, thank you. So grateful. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing out there in the world. It's so challenging to navigate those systems. So thank you. And for all of you listening, we will see you next week. Thank you and goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be The Wolf. Please take a moment to rate, share, and follow this podcast so that together we can inspire others to be the wolf.